0: Hi, and welcome to episode six of the Property Mom podcast. I'm Delafa, a wife and mother of two young and wonderful kids who are four and two, and I'm what you'd call a serial property entrepreneur. And if you're listening for the first time, thanks for joining us. And my hope is that you learn something new every time that you listen, and you will, as I've juggled for the past 10 years between raising a family, property investing, developments, refurbs, rent to rent, and even educating. So my love for property does run really deep. Today, yay! I'll finally be having my first guest interview. She's also a mompreneur, you know, a property mom entrepreneur, hustling it out here in these streets. And her main strategy, as you'll find out from the interview, are strategies two, four, six, and 10. And if you don't know what that is, then I suggest you check in with my previous podcast where I break down the different strategies that you can get into without much money. So she has done this. She's living it. She's breathing it. And she's evolved over the past few years and developed a strong business without needing a deposit or even a rent to rent portfolio. So do listen in and be inspired. On today's podcast, I'm so excited to be in the presence of, like, my hero. So her name is... Not your hero. (laughs) Semi Fashala. And one of the reasons why I really, really, really appreciate her journey is that she literally started from a standing start of zero. And that's the whole point of these 14-week strategies that I've always been talking about, that in order to be able to create a cash flow, You don't always have to have that initial deposit. But the one thing you have to be able to do is network. You need to be able to leverage on the network. And Temi has been amazing at that. So just to give a bit of background, remember the first episode ever of this um, podcast, I said, when you want to get into property, one of the key things you should do is to find a property body. And Temi is my property body. Like from the minute we met we, both, we were so like-minded when it came to like just talking about how to sort of get on in life we were both working in the city but we both knew we wanted to achieve more right mm-hmm. so tell me you know she's going to talk about her background but she was like a stockbroker, she was like a city chick you know but she just knew that she wanted more you know so it's all about how she sort of transitioned from her city life into being like this amazing mompreneur and now we have these amazing discussions and the transition and how far we've gone, and how long has it been, Temi? Actually, since I think here? I think we started. Well, I'll say probably, kind of unofficially,
1: maybe since two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. Wow. Yeah. So it's been, you know,
0: kind of twelve to thirteen years. Yeah. Because we both bought, we bought, we bought our first property our together, Our first property right? so together, yeah. That's what I said, that uh, because I didn't have enough of a uh, deposit to buy a house and she didn't have enough. So we combined forces exactly. and we were able to buy our first ever property. Exactly. So, so yeah, so just give us a bit of background on your journey and how you you basically got into property.
1: Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the glowing introduction. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, okay. So I'm...
1: My background, I mean, I'm a, I'm a former banker. I started my career in banking, yeah, actually in Nigeria. I moved over to the UK, did an MBA and started working, as like I said, in the city. Um, but I'd always been interested in property. I'd always had an eye on, you know, anything property related. And people, knew, people that knew me knew that about me. So the way my property journey started was, it actually happened quite organically. Because the people that I knew, knew that no matter what i was doing i was always kind of the go-to person when they wanted to talk about property you know find out about what was going on and they also knew that you know i'm somebody that wherever i am i try to sort of establish a footprint and i kind of know how to get things done mm-hmm. so it just it was kind of more you know request or demand driven i had the, because i would worked in corporate in the corporate sector in nigeria i had a good um you know a good network of you know former yeah, colleagues former clients friends yeah. and all that you know these are professionals with a bit of disposable income just the type of people that would be our target markets in yeah. whatever and, property this is and the network, network that you.
0: we're talking about exactly, leveraging exactly, contact.
1: exactly. Yeah. so they're the type of people that would come into london probably be looking for a place to stay and to, to rent for a considerable length of time or people that have a bit of disposable income and looking for a place to park their funds maybe to invest either to as a london base or something to uh, buy as an investment so i i started getting uh, queries from friends and you know co- ex-colleagues like that asking me oh you're in london now i'm coming into london you know i'm looking for a place to rent i'm looking for a place to buy mm-hmm. and initially i started doing it i mean like as like um dolly and i already said i was working the city and i started doing it alongside my job just as a favor for friends people knew that i was reliable they trusted my eye and my taste and say oh i i I trust your judgment i'm looking for this can you help me find and i would do it completely free of charge so it also goes to it also goes to the concept of if you can find something mm -hmm. that you enjoy you never have to work a day in your life because it was something i was doing for free i was just doing it because because, people wanted me to help them out for me it was it didn't seem like work because it was like the go going to check out a place for you. I love looking at houses. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I started you know
0: Something I heard is that if you get a request three times mm-hmm. on a, certain, a particular issue or something, go and create a product. Then you know there's an opportunity there. So exactly. that's an opportunity. Exactly. And that's how it started
1: for me. So I started, I did it, you know, a number of times for people. Somebody will say, oh, who helped you do this? Oh, uh, Timmy was the one that did this for me. Or as Tokwe, as as I'm known by my friends in Nigeria, Tokwe was the one that did this for me. So more people will come and start asking me for this. And at a point, I started getting a bit irritated. Like, "Mm, I don't have the time for this. You know, I I have a job. I'm not interested. And I remember a a friend of mine at the time, just she was the one that came to me with the request. And she was always one bringing these types of requests to me. She snapped at me like, don't you want to make money? You know that you can actually make money from this. So I'm prepared to pay you. And something just kind of went off in my head, like, okay, actually, you know, yeah, makes a good point. Actually, you know, I could make money from this. And I'll tell you my very first um, transaction, my very first sort of commercial transaction in shortlets was um, this lady had come to me wanting a place to rent um for a family member that was coming for three weeks to london and they wanted to stay in paddington and this was back in 2008 late 2008 or maybe early 2009 i can't remember exactly now and i remember at the time they come saying they wanted a place in paddington their budget was 700 pounds a week even then even even then their budget was 700 pounds a week and it might sound like a lot of money if you live in the UK and you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, that's a decent rent. But for for a shortlet, like, right you right. you compare it against the price of hotels, mm-hmm. it was what, what properties in Paddington were rent were mm-hmm. renting for. And and social media also had a, you know, a role to play in that. Mm-hmm. Because at the time I didn't have like I said, I was a banker working in the city. I didn't have all I had was my, you know, my contacts and my imagination. I didn't have any properties to let. I wasn't actually actively playing in the property Mm -hmm. market at all. But I remember she was kind of pushing me. She wanted me to help her find a place. Then I remember a friend of mine had put something up on Facebook advertising that they had short lets. um, And what year was this? This was back in two thousand and two thousand. 2008 or 2009?
0: This is 2008, 2009, and you're still able to leverage the power of social media. Absolutely. Yeah. It was
1: social media that sponsored it for me. I had just noticed at the time, you know, you have people to see people's status updates. And I remember seeing this guy putting in there that he was, um, he had shortlets, mm. that he was, um, he was marketing his shortlets. Yeah. I remember seeing it at the time, I made a mental note, just filed it away somewhere. And then when this lady came to me looking, I didn't know anybody else that I could go to. They were looking for something in Paddington. He didn't have anything in Paddington. But he did have in Hatfield. I don't think
0: anything could be further away from Paddington. From Paddington. Maybe on the train. <laughs> exactly.
1: So, I'm, the budget was obviously uh not going to work for for yeah. Paddington. That's but right. I, I, I the, he had a four bed house. Mm. He had four bed houses in Hatfield that he was looking to uh, rent out. And I went to him and said, "Oh, look, you know what." have these people and he said actually yeah why don't you try and sell it to them so you can imagine somebody whose brief is to and this is where your your your, yeah, your really skills amazing. as a salesperson
0: yes
1: your skills as a salesperson mm-hmm. comes into play it's not about trying to push people into something it's about recognizing knowing how to match what they what they say they want with what they can achieve with what they have yes so their budget wasn't going to cover a Paddington property, but I knew that how to sell the Hatfield property to mm-hmm. them. They were looking for a two-bedroom in, in Paddington. There were quite a number of them. I think they were going to buy a family of five or six. We had these four-bedroom houses in Hatfield, that were you know townhouses, mm-hmm. and I remember at the time the, the asking price, the, the asking price that the the person who owned the property had, had offered me the property for was five hundred pounds a week their budget was 700 pounds a week. Yeah. You can imagine I I by the time I finished selling it to them and saying look, it's not in, it's not in Paddington, it's not even in London at all, but it's close to a train mm-hmm. station, it has fast links totally into London and you're selling you all the other
0: amenities that it has.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's a big shopping center close by, so you won't um, you're not going to be cut off from, you mm-hmm. know, from all the sort of you know, amenities that you would need. You'd no. be able to shop easily. There are supermarkets yeah. nearby. And,
0: um, you so know. At this point, you were playing a search agent role, in a sense. I was primarily yeah, a yeah. I was a complete middleman. Yeah, complete I, had middle no, I,
1: I almost had no no kind of to you no know. rent casually. For Just me, rent. it was the opportunity to make a margin. Yeah. So I went in there, sold them the idea. They said, okay, they sent somebody to come and view the property. She mm-hmm. came to see it. She thought it was amazing. She liked the location. She liked the whatever. And by the time we knew we had sealed a, a deal, I got the, the proxy at 500. Mm-hmm. I offered it to them at 700. They paid 700 a week for three weeks. I made 600 pounds. Not and all I, I had not, I to didn't do,
0: leave your desk. I didn't oh, need it.
1: Yeah. But the basically, the, the, and all my entire cost on that mm-hmm. transaction was the cost of the fuel. To drive for exactly. my flats in Hinden
0: and so this to, is the whole point of saying that yeah. within property, there are ways to get into it without necessarily Absolutely. having that huge deposit. So there you are, you made exactly. 600 pounds from your first deal, very first by first not deal. doing much, you know. And this is not just one property that one person has now. Imagine if you scale that, you had 50 properties, which is eventually exactly. where you went, isn't that where you exactly. ended up. Moving that. So let's say, so this is starting from strategy. So within the 14 strategies that I listed is starting with strategy number two. But very quickly she evolved into strategy number, I think it's strategy number four, where you're, you became a service accommodation property manager, where yeah. you started to build up network and build up all the contacts of the people that you said that you even, even the people that had come in as your original clients, exactly. Started to exactly. When they eventually purchased premises and bought properties which you were able to help them through another strategy, exactly. the buyer's agent, which exactly. your business is now even just taking off in that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we've mentioned what I always say, what, what I always strategies say, strategies that you've been able to use in your business. Go on. So, what I always
1: say about this, about my business model, is that everything is interlinked. Um, we're a full service um, property management company. So the entire life cycle, transaction life cycle of property, you mm-hmm. know, for, for a lot of my clients come to me. The first point of contact I have with them is they came to me because they came on holiday or they came on business and they were looking for a that's place it. to rent. To and stay that's a
0: gateway. That's your you gateway. They into-
1: liked the experience. They liked yeah. the service they got from us. Yeah. When they're coming to London again for anything else, I would be the first point of contact. Exactly, of exactly. course, naturally, when they then decide yeah. they want to invest, rather than go to some nameless, faceless uh, agent you on a high street, that
0: track they will
1: come to me because mm-hmm. they already, they've already experienced the service I'm able to offer, you know, even on just mm-hmm. on, the, on the short-lived side. So they come to me. Sometimes they don't even know whether I, I offer acquisition services at mm-hmm. all, but they just come, they come and ask a question. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of you know started the acquisitions business. Again, it wasn't something I proactively thought, okay, I'm just going to build up. I didn't even know such agents existed. I didn't know mm-hmm. that you could that you could people could pay you to look for property for them. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we lived in the UK. If you wanted to buy a property in the UK, you called up fox well, yeah. You called up Venam Reeves. You know, you yeah. went on you, you know called whatever, the landlord's property property agent. And up, exactly. And you looked for your property yeah. yourself. I didn't know
0: that this and was uh, actually uh, on the market of sector at all. Exactly. Exactly. On behalf of the buyer and get a yeah. commission on both sides exactly exactly you know
1: um even if you can't get on both sides even one side yeah you know, it's, it's it's, it's, it's yeah. sufficient mm-hmm. if you can get on both, both sides happy days wait for you but if you can't get on both sides uh, mm-hmm. one side of that deal is is good enough yeah. and um so it's it basically arose from people again coming to me with that um demand it, mm-hmm. it, it was like kind of like a demand driven um business, yeah, business. people would come to me to say oh we're business. looking to buy a property can you help us and i was always of my mindset about all things was everything's yes yeah. if you ask me can i do it yes yes and then i go and learn how to do it
0: yes. <laughs> i would never an tell entrepreneur. an entrepreneur that. that is an entrepreneur's case I was like, that is what he's supposed to be doing so absolutely said, no no, no. You know, i would that, never tell an entrepreneur to it's true. You know?
1: so i would always just think okay yeah this is not rocket science. What does it involve? I will project all the confidence when you're asking me the question, and then I go and do my research. And you agree great <laughs> <So>, that? <laughs> again, this, this and this is now the biggest. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, it's not the thing that keeps us, keeps me busy, busiest on the day to day normally, mm-hmm. but it is what generates the most income for my mm-hmm. business. Yeah, from In being acquisition. From side. acquisition.
0: Um, so, where you're yes. being, where you now set up yourself as a buyer agent uh, exactly yeah. as a property find that uh,
1: buyer's agent acquisition exactly. agent you know the, the 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 rewards of it um because you know it's not a it's 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 a very involved process mm-hmm. you know we're helping people to buy a property you know it's beyond yeah. you just looking uh, helping them to look for where they're going to stay for a month you're helping them achieve one of their long-held dreams you know a lot of people london is you know it's a very dynamic market a lot of people aspire to own property in london so mm-hmm. nobody comes no matter how rich you are i don't care how rich you are nobody comes here like, to buy in london it's not it's not it's never a small deal for anyone yeah you know it's, it's always five points it is. it's always an achievement <laughs> no matter how much you have class bought it's three hundred thousand yeah. pounds if it's 3 million pounds if it's 30 million pounds yeah. it's, just, it's, it's so depending much. on the level you're at it's still always going to yeah. be Big deal. Yeah, you know, so entrusting you with this search. the the people that the typically the people that would come to me for this service are people mm-hmm. who don't have the logistical capacity to do the search themselves. Mm-hmm. That's why exactly. it's mostly targeted towards either the busy, overseas, busy, busy, or busy. busy. Exactly. Or international client. Exactly, you know? they're not going to be coming on. You know, going back they, and forth. Exactly, you know, they're not going to be going back and forth. They they entrust you. They, you have a long conversation with them mm-hmm. about what they need. You t- you get their brief in its entirety, and then you okay. then go and materialize that. That brief, yeah. Yeah, so okay. it, it's very interesting that yeah. it is, it was purely demand-driven. I didn't um, I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I think there's a market there. The market found me, in yeah. a sense. And, this
0: and is then gonna, I just built on when it. When you do and and job, to, the market will find you, yes. Exactly, I
1: just started to make a market of it, to actually turn it into a, build a brand around it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so it's so great because, of course, we've watched, you know, how you've evolved in, in all of the different strategies and the fact that you've been able to acquire so much just by controlling and by leveraging your contacts. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things that I wanted to find out from you is challenges. You know, we've always talked about, you know, being moms, being, managing that as well as managing your business. Now, how do you mm-hmm. sort of cope? How do you manage your business and manage your family life? How do you make that happen and how do you make it work?
1: Okay, well, so for me, um, you know, I'm, to be honest, when my kids were babies, you know, it was quite difficult, you know, yeah. and for me, this business, I approach, I approach this business I had different approaches to this business at different points in my life. Obviously, like I said before, when I started it, it was a side hustle for me. I was still working in banking and I was yeah, doing, it past, yeah. you know, exactly. I was doing it kind of like just passive income or, mm-hmm. you know, secondary. I wouldn't say passive because it was never, you can't really be ever be. It, property is not something you can ever do. Uh, in a passive way but it was secondary income for me mm-hmm. so it was something i did around my 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 your day lifestyle job. and your day job you know, exactly i had it had to fit around my lifestyle mm-hmm. you know um and so at that time obviously i did i wasn't married i didn't have kids you know obviously i was able to just you know my main distraction then was my job and then yes. whatever
0: time i was able to get it and when it's i then point for single girls actually you know we're yeah. talking about being moms and all of that but it's also about single people who are not married yet so the, casting forward and creating some of those pillars that are going to end up being, what's going to support them when they get married. With the Absolutely. Kids. It's not. There and
1: when that there, are that Yeah. By the time you start having children, sometimes, you know, life just takes a turn and some yeah. decisions are taken yeah. out of your, of your hands. Yeah. Like when I left banking, I mean, I'd always wanted to leave and, you know, go and do something entrepreneurial in the property space. Mm-hmm. But, You know, there's that, there's the mentality when you're a salary earner, there's a comfort Mm. that you get from knowing that you're getting your salary. salary,
0: Which, yeah. You know,
1: Um, so I'd always fancied myself as being somebody that was was going to be able to Mm -hmm. take the leap. But as it turned out, I was working with Lehman Brothers in administration. And then we worked ourselves out of a job because we finally wound the company down and everybody got made redundant. And thank God that I had built this to a point where by the time it then became and by then I was pregnant already Mm -hmm. you know there was just it wasn't feasible for me to go and start looking for another job with a five month old pregnancy who would hire me and then give me a maternity leave in one or two months so this property um business that I had built the beginnings of Mm -hmm. was then what I was able to sort of focus on on, and turn that into Mm -hmm. my day job it didn't um and so obviously when in the beginning, when my, my children were like, when my, I had my first uh, child, I was still able to do it. But the, the, back to your original question, it was a lot of delegation. So I would have, I, mm-hmm. I, I, did, um, I built a support, and
0: systems. Yeah, mm-hmm. support, a,
1: a support system around me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't have to physically go and do a lot of what I was doing was the big picture things, the strategy mm-hmm. things, the business development that, you know, at that level of, of the business only you could I do
0: at home with the kids. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I could
1: do at home with the kids where the, the rest of the, the physical, bronzer, I outsourced that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then obviously, obviously you have enhanced childcare. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, by the time my kids got to nursery age, I put mm-hmm. them in nursery and, you know, just was able to, you know, focus all my time on, you know, building the business during the day. And at night time, Obviously, home with the family. It's just about you know knowing, yeah. you know prioritizing, and knowing the inf- the sort of resource and infrastructure you need around you to be able to do the job that you need to you do. Doing? You can't be everywhere. You can't do it all. Yeah, you know?
0: and I I did say that. So when I was having kids, there were some strategies that I had to leave behind. You know, like I had to kind of park them. So all that going to the to the sites meeting with the builders you know i was doing this when i was nine months pregnant once the baby came out that's the end so i had to fall back on some of his cash flow strategies like the service accommodation and those types of strategies that would then help me because those ones could easily be dedicated to other people to do to run and you just literally sit at home and just be on the phone sometimes stressed out but at least exactly. you know, I don't stuck. know what you remember. And this is
1: sometimes with, with hindsight, and how you know you don't remember that, you remember that when I was pregnant with my second son, mm-hmm. it was my second son. There was a, a client that had come to me with a brief to refurbish a property, and I literally was about to pop, and I, I told her I couldn't do it, and I handed it off to you. <laughs>
0: I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Because literally, things are happening. And this is the thing with lifestyle. You know, it has positives in that you can be very actively involved in your kids' lives and all of that. But it also has its challenges where sometimes you're literally going into the maternity room, like having a baby, and then you get a call like, oh, can you do this? And it's like, no, I can't. Like, let me just...
1: Well, I have a story mm-hmm. to tell around that. I, I will actually remember oh, yes, when... Yes, I remember I, this uh, story. Good. Yeah, this is my same, my old, my youngest son. I remember one of my first, because one of my first, um, the first properties that I actually took on into my portfolio, fully managed properties. Because mm-hmm. obviously by the time my business started to take off, I started to move away from the, being the pure middleman to actually having properties under management. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably the second or third property I took on under management. I hadn't been being canvassing this client. I'd met him through sh- um, shortlights. He had come to me as a light client mm-hmm. maybe a couple of years before that and he had mentioned at the time that he had the flat nearby in Maiderville. and you know and of course he'd, he'd said to me he had a flat in Maiderville. I was like oh what are you doing with it? You yeah, live in Nigeria? Is, yes. Let me manage it for you. And he was like no 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 I don't want to I don't want to do it. It's my home. You know that's always the initial objection. I remember then uh, when I was probably about seven months pregnant, I, I met up with him again. And he said to me, okay, come, let's have a meeting. Let's talk. Mm-hmm. I think you dropped me at that meeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, uh, you dropped me at that meeting. At, um, if you remember Regent's Plaza. Mm-hmm. You know, So I'd met with him. He knew I was pregnant. I talked, we talked about taking the flat on. And he said, okay, he'll get back to me. He was traveling and all that. I remember going into because I, I had my uh, my son by cesarean section. I remember going into hospital the day before to get prepped, and then I went to do early labor, and I had to stay in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this client called me. <laughs> he called me while I was while yeah strapped up to the machine where they're monitoring my contractions, and I was completely normal. He had no clue what was going on. He yeah, so exactly. assumed I was in labor. Today you are strapped to all the baby stuff and the
0: nurses, and there you are you are like yeah of i course. was
1: completely calm he talked about me coming to collect the property and to start managing i said that's fine no problem um yes that's uh, that's something i would definitely like to do and then two weeks later i hadn't called him back so he then called me and said oh madam what's going on you've not uh, come back to me i said oh my god i'm so sorry actually the day you were talking to me i was in hospital i just had i, I told him i said i've just had a baby he said, oh, what do you mean you just had a baby i was just talking to i said i was actually in hospital in labor while you were talking to me. <laughs> she had no idea. So sometimes, you know, yeah. it's compartment- the, the ability to compartmentalize is also very good. You you don't have to give everything away. You know, especially now with technology, you know, you can yeah. still carry on. You can still carry on, yeah. you know, running your business, regardless
0: of what else is going yeah. on. You well, know, it comes down to think- mindsets Because if you're used Absolutely. to having just clocking out, you know, getting to work at nine o'clock, clocking out at five o'clock, then for you, for you, you're thinking, wow, you know, I can't believe I'd be having even having this kind of conversation because now exactly. you're the master of your domain. So in a way, yeah, this is something I mentioned is that one thing that used to frustrate me about working in the city is no matter what happened with your own personal circumstance, where you did well at the office, you were great, you achieved all your goals. If the company didn't perform well in that financial year, then you were completely mm-hmm. like, you know, like screwed. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I never liked that dynamic from day one, you know, so being able to be able to take control, yeah, things happen, of course, look at um, this COVID-19 craziness, like, you know, that these black swan events that can potentially happen and really disrupt you, you know, and I'm going to come to that actually, um, about service accommodation. So some people say service accommodation is effectively dead, like as a strategy, what What is your thoughts about that? What is your no,
1: I don't, I don't think it's dead. And I don't think, to be honest, I don't think it will, at least for the foreseeable future, until somebody comes up with, you know, a viable alternative, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I like to think I'm pretty uh, forward thinking. I can't think what the viable alternative will be. Yeah. I don't think it's dead. I think right now, obviously, with COVID, it has to be shuttered. And so it has mm-hmm. essentially been manacled and you know put on ice for now you know, for, for, sure. for the obvious health and safety reasons mm-hmm. but it's not it's not dead and it won't die you know because what is the alternative to mm-hmm. short-term rentals unless you're saying the tourism industry is going to die mm-hmm. because the truth is you know the service accommodation industry feels a it it feels it provides an essential service it's a legitimate space for travelers that hotels cannot meet imagine you're traveling with your family
0: family of five are you family going of
1: six family of exactly. five family of six you're traveling as a group you know what are you going to do are you all going to fit into how many hotel rooms yeah. it's completely expensive yeah. you know So I think that the reasons, and then beyond being expensive, hotels are also not set up to, you know, provide for larger groups. Yeah even if you get interconnecting rooms, the experience is not the same.
0: It's not the same. The kitchen, they're all in different that separate places. facility to be able to, to, to cook yeah. and have their self-catered exactly. meals. Exactly. That's not exactly to happen, no. So
1: the ability to, the, yeah. to, the ability to provide self kitchen accommodation is yeah. not something that is going to go yeah. away anytime mm-hmm. soon. Or the need to provide self-catering accommodation is something that is going to go away anytime soon. Um, if we look at the way uh, travel, has evolved in the last sort of, say, 25 to 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of international travel that we have now is not the kind that we had 20, 20, 25, 30 years ago, you know. So in those in those times, you know, people were still coming, but you, then you had the, a lot of people, were, if, even if people came, uh, went abroad, there was a lot of staying with family and friends and all that, and maybe staying in hotels. But now as, you know, affluence has grown, as we have a... a a growing uh, population of you know, professional, middle-class mm-hmm. people who have a bit more disposable income. People don't want to be an inconvenience to their yeah. friends and family. People want to be able to travel beyond where they have friends and family. Yes.
0: You
1: know? So the, the need to, the, the service accommodation industry fills that need because hotels really cater on, cater primarily to either the solo traveler, the business traveler, or, you know, very small groups. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about family travel, if you're talking about extended stay, if you're talking about corporate relocation, you know, these are the, you know, these are the, uh, the, the segments of the market that the service accommodation industry mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. do cater to and will need to continue to cater to in the foreseeable future. What I think is, presents the challenge for the service accommodation industry mm-hmm. now is the, the disconnect mm-hmm. between what the industry is trying to do and what legislation is prescribing. Mm-hmm. I think legislation hasn't yet caught up to the reality of what the service uh, accommodation industry, what the short-term rental accommodation industry um, is doing. Do. It is in a, The
0: industry... Yeah.
1: So there's a little place. bit of... There's yeah. a little... So there's, there's, a, there's a negative... Um, connotation. There's a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like something that's being done under the radar. And that's why a lot of people feel like those days are numbered. But I think that if you were to shutter the... Um, uh, short- term rental market, you would I think governments and you know legislators would then find mm. that there's no actual viable alternative for it. Yeah. you know so I think what what they need to do what what needs to happen is for legis- uh, for legislation and for and then there needs to be freehold reform. I think mm. you know freeholders yeah. need to recognize that instead of trying to demonize um, short term rentals and run them underground, I think you need to embolden operators. and maybe try and buy into what they're doing you know and i think most
0: most operators will be ready necessary licenses and stuff exactly most
1: operators will be ready to pay a surcharge to freeholders, freehold that meant that you know they could be more transparent about what they're doing you know but it's the fact that there just seems to be this you know a lot of negative backlash from companies like Mm -hmm. airbnb because of maybe isolated cases of you know people yeah. that have gone in and have, yeah. you know, Brass- properties Brass- or had parties. Yeah. You know, in every endeavor in life, there will always be abuse. Yeah, there will is. always be um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people who have abused the system. There will always be people who have misused, you know, the system. But I don't think we should ever throw away the baby with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. that if, if um, short-term accommodations get banned tomorrow, I don't think people are going to stop traveling. And I think that as long as people do not stop traveling, people are not going to find hotel accommodation as a suitable alternative to what they can get from short-term rentals. So I I don't think it's going anywhere. I think we just need to reform the way we do it. We Mm. need to maybe as a body come together and maybe create a a stronger voice, a stronger lobby voice that will advocate for what we as industry um, operators need
0: Mm.
1: and what kind of, um, you know, maybe controls and... Um, oversight we're ready to submit ourselves to
0: yeah great so but actually let's move back a bit so somebody you know we started all of this with talking about getting into the business and how you were able to build your business in just from leveraging and you know managing your contacts and all that now and sort of looking long term you kind of developed long term solid relationships with your existing clients so that even when they came back for additional services they knew you were the go-to person. Now, what's yeah. your advice to somebody who's looking to start this business? Doesn't have any money, has thought about property the same way you were thinking about it those many years ago. What is your advice to them today? How would you um, see them getting into the business?
1: I think for me, the first thing we have to recognize is that don't be, don't don't be cowed by the idea that you need a ton of money to do this. Yeah. You know it would be great if you had a packet of money to invest and you right. know, build up maybe rent a few properties and start to sublet them or whatever It would be great if you had that or it would be great if you had some capital to maybe buy your first or your first or couple of uh, properties and flip them for a profit or whatever, but even if you don't have that you as long as you are able to dig deep. As long as you're imaginative, as long as you're somebody who has a passion for the business, who has a vision for the business, Mm -hmm. who can, you know, articulate what you want to do, you'll be able to look for a partner because Mm -hmm. there are lots of people who probably want to invest in property, but either locationally locationally or time-wise, logistically, they're not in a position to, maybe status-wise as well, they're not in a position to, but they are looking for somebody like you who's probably... You know located in the country where they're looking to invest and you know who is able to access maybe financing you know maybe because you already have a job here or you have their credit credit footprint here you know just look for somebody who um who can finance what you're trying to do and who for whom you um will will be able to provide some value Mm -hmm. so
0: in what you're describing so there are two different avenues here so you can go down the joint venture route where you find somebody who has either the assets or yeah. has the funds. It doesn't matter how many of the asset. Exactly. In yeah. Something yeah. that you're doing. But obviously, you have to build that know, like, and trust factor first. So they have to know you, yeah. to like you, know that you're competent. Yeah. And then, you know, so you have to build that up. How typically, it, I mean, the easiest route, typically it would be somebody
1: you already know.
0: Exactly.
1: But it doesn't even have to be. Mm-hmm. It could be an introduction because you know if we're going to restrict if business is going to be restricted to people only people we know no, that we're not okay. going to yeah, it's not
0: gonna happen. Yeah.
1: As that's why I said it's very important that you're able to articulate your vision. You can pitch
0: what you're doing yeah. to people who I met somebody you who know. met somebody at the whom she, she loves going to the bakery and mm-hmm. she literally just met somebody at the bakery and they started talking and before you knew it, that became her first investor. Absolutely. So you, Absolutely. You do that everywhere. It's just They're everywhere. You just have to. You just have to, you know, be
1: able to set, to articulate what you're selling and sell it convincingly yes. without sounding like an opportunist or somebody who's selling snake oil, <laughs> you know. If you're passionate about it, if you're knowledgeable about it, you, and you're able to convince people about the returns, about the value in your business proposition, then I, I think that that's definitely the way. To be honest, now not actually a difficult
0: time to do that, especially with people that live in the UK. Because mm-hmm. her bank interest rates are now at like zero percent, so absolutely you know, the sell is actually
1: easier. the time once the government eases yeah. the, the regulations around you know you know buying within this whole mm-hmm. uh, you know coronavirus that we're in, then I think that this is definitely the best time to try and get you know, get your your, your your foot into the proxy ladder because mm-hmm. the terms have never been as good as they mm-hmm. are now although 100%. there will probably be some there'll probably be more stringent lending, Criteria has been applied in yes, terms of see,
0: So, you know how we got in, when we got in, how many so years ago when we bought that first property? Understanding mm. the terrain. So, um, getting mortgages was quite difficult, wasn't it? It was. It was all quite of a difficult. Sudden, you know, they used to give all these ridiculous mortgages based on like self-certification. Self-certification, yeah. All yeah. that just went out the window. and completely so Completely
1: disappeared, yeah.
0: And almost expected. They, they actually became illegal You couldn't...
1: Um, yeah. I remember then, I remember... Around the time we we're buying, the Northern Rock was offering. They had a, an agreement principle for a hundred percent mortgage from Northern. Northern Rock. They don't
0: even... <laughs> Although we were lucky because we were still able to get about ninety or ninety-five percent. What ninety-five percent? I think we only put down five yes. percent. Yeah, we didn't put down
1: five percent.
0: Yeah, so those deals don't even exist anymore. Now you can imagine that with this, now with all that's happened with COVID, is that lenders will even get more tight when it comes to their lending criteria. 60% because the land. stress testing
1: that has to happen is, is sure necessarily going to be more stringent yes, yes. So, so, because in a recession it will be an
0: irresponsible lender that doesn't tighten up their tighten lending up. criteria yeah, yeah. So. but yeah so that's been very serious talk and it's been amazing you having you on but well, before you go let's come to the fun aspect of it. so i um, on okay. And we always have this, you know, like the COVID 19 and the lockdown dealing mm-hmm. with the kids in the home all day long. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously. So, how are you coping with this? How are you managing your life and managing your business and getting it to work?
1: Well, I, I think um, what I've found is I've, I think this has allowed me to allow my children to become a lot more independent. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yes. It's um I mean it, it was a struggle in the first couple of weeks because, you know, they were so restless they didn't know what to do with themselves, so they were just bounding all over the place. But now I've been able to you know, at least get some sort of groove going. I'm not gonna pretend and say we have some fantastic structured <laughs> day. No, we don't. But um, you know, if I can get them, you know, sitting quiet for You know, maybe thirty minutes at a time. You know, doing something. And you have two
0: boys, two boys. And I have Mm -hmm. two boys
1: who are very close together in age. You know, who are twenty-one months apart. (laughs) You know, so they're each other's Mm. mortal competition. You know, but what I've found is that now, as the lockdown continues, it's becoming less and less um, abnormal for them. Yeah. they themselves have come to terms with it they're more accepting of this new normal mm-hmm. um and they and one thing you i learned from children is that children are very imaginative they're very resourceful in this lockdown my children have traveled we've had beach holidays
0: i know we've been traveling to all sorts of countries they picked t- they've
1: travelled to portugal they've gone on the
0: plane they've gone on the plane they you know, taken the dives into the ocean
1: <laughs> you know They become ghosts, you know, they just, whatever it is they have in the house, they turn it to magnetic plates, you know, and you'll see them role-playing it, they're telling me about it, saying, oh, this is what we're doing, oh, we're at the beach, oh, we're doing this, oh, we're we're ocean diving, we're doing, you know, and I just find, oh, wow, you know, and so I watch them, you know, as they are entertaining themselves, you know, and kind of almost relieving me of the need to be... You know, running around after them. So, in the beginning, it was very difficult for me to take a work call because they were constantly the soundtrack. To, and for a long time yeah. actually, those kids have been a yeah. soundtrack to your life like many times like, like, oh, absolutely so many. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely but now <laughs> thankfully i'm able to leave them in a room where i can i can see them i know that they're safe i can w- listen to their conversation as they're chatting away with each other and they're enjoying spending time with each other and i can get on with my own, own
0: business. With my own
1: business so they've just been able to sort of adapt to their surroundings they've been able to take the things in their surroundings and use their imagination to you know explore and kind of you know keep themselves engaged Mm. and then of course there's always you know know, we have the times in the day where we're doing fun stuff together we're cooking we're baking you know we're just the beautiful thing about covid is allowed it's allowed us to reset it's allowed us more time you know to spend with the children and
0: and look and spend time with your kids yeah
1: absolutely 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 yeah so it's, it's it's not all
0: bad i think when we
1: come to the end of this we'll realize that as devastating as this lockdown has been mm. to businesses and you know just Life. livelihoods general mm. we will also have good takeaways from it it will certainly have given us the opportunity to maybe look at some more latent aspects of our businesses and say okay what can we do what know? can we do better for What sure. can we do better yes what, yeah. what just can just we do to how to do we flesh this business. out yeah
0: you're just constantly going and constantly working in the business but not
1: exactly out.
0: exactly not being able to
1: yeah not being
0: able to stand up, up, up apart
1: from it and look at it and say how could we tweak this and especially in our sector where a lot a large part of our daily bread and butter is the shortlets, you know and you know that's a very you know involved um, business we it's, a, one, a, it's yeah. a lot of running around it's a lot of you know very full-on yeah. you know but now we've seen with COVID that it's very sensitive to these sort of seismic shocks like this yeah. you know it was yeah. one of those businesses that i always knew
0: especially the rent to rent you know you were always sort of you yeah. know you always took that step back from rent to rent but for me rent to rent was always just this amazing you know, like a multiplier effect, you know, especially yeah. when you're coming from buying properties where you see how much I was, I was describing on the webinar that I held, how a property that I, I, I was controlling um, at 10,000 pounds, that's how I acquired that property was actually sold in November. The property next mm-hmm. door to it was sold for one point, just over a million pounds. So I was controlling mm-hmm. that property for a percentage, 1% mm-hmm. of the actual value of the property Absolutely. and earning the returns on that property. So you imagine how, you know, how awesome that strategy was while it was, you know, while it was um, booming for the past seven years we've been in that business. Now, Mm. just to come to this sort of devastating, just before we were coming to Easter, when, Mm. you know, how, you know, the the, pretty much... When it starts, the uptick happens and starts to boom. From the low season right into Mm. this really, like, great season, right up to the end of the year, effectively. Yeah. And then, wow. And then
1: everything just, yeah, everything just went, went to, to hell, really. Yeah. You know, and this, this is what uh, this COVID would, at least for me as a, as a business, as somebody who operates in this space, this is what it has allowed me to sit down and reflect. Mm-hmm. I think I've always, part of me has always taken the short legs aspect of it for granted. It's been sure cash. You know, it's it's been uh, shortcut. You know, you know the, the kind of cash that you can generate from this from this yeah. business. There will be times in the year where you're a bit quiet, but honestly, the six seven months in a year where you're active make up for it. Uh, oh anything you get in the other uh, mm-hmm. months of the year, is pretty much like a bonus, is mm-hmm. fine. But now seeing the sensitivity, we've never, something, no, nothing like COVID has never ever happened. had this before. Happened. Exactly. Nothing like this ever happened. Yeah. So I don't think any of us was expecting this. None of us had how plans for, plan for it. For it. How? Yeah, mm-hmm. none of us had plans wow. for this. Yeah. You know, you know how we bled. You know how we've had to refund, you yes. know, cancelled bookings. Yes. It, is, it has been a broad back for exactly. us in this industry. But <laughs> what the positive I take from it is that it's now allowed us to sit back and look at our business and say, okay, yeah. how do we fleshing it out? So, We're not so sensitive. We're not so dependent yes. Yes. on, on that this of the- aspect of the business. And yeah. I think for me, that's what, so now it has me thinking of, I'm, I'm looking at some collaborations in future, okay. you know, going into, you know, that the part of my business that has, that I haven't really paid that much attention to is developing for my own portfolio. I develop mm-hmm. for other people. I mm-hmm. help people build up their own investment portfolio, but, we haven't as a business really sought to buy much yes. to own to hold yeah so now it's i have been looking at collaborations between my uh, uh, somebody who is who is somebody i used to work with and you know who who can who's happy to sort of serve as a mentor in things like hmos and you know buying to mm-hmm. you know you know create and you already do quite yeah. a bit in that exactly. space as well yeah. you know so I I've these are said things that, that we too. probably disdained before us, thinking like, oh, it's a lot of work for not that much return. But imagine if we had more of those in our portfolio now, it wouldn't be as painful. Yeah. You know, yeah, it wouldn't. Because um, your, your your income would still be rolling in regardless yeah, COVID Regardless. COVID. Although, no,
0: don't... So HMOs have also taken a bit of a hit. Maybe Of not. course. No,
1: definitely. For uh, sure. Even our long-term, even our long-term, long-term rentals, term rentals, rentals have taken a... Yeah. You know, you I've told you stories about how, you know, with a lot of the tenants that are sitting in our long-term properties, you know, a mm. lot of them have had, you know, stories about how COVID has affected them and we've had to make concessions in terms yeah. of the rent. But at least... You know, it's not complete that, decision yeah. of business yeah. like like we've had oh, like we've experienced. Yeah. Because the that's term. the
0: thing. In my case, I have a portfolio where some of them are service accommodation and some of them are long term rentals. And there's the long term rentals that have actually held me through the season, right? Exactly. So Because those those guys are not going anywhere. They're not going oh, anywhere. Exactly. You know, maybe they're foreseeing that you know their income might be staggered or you know. But you know, overall, it been, been strong you know, compared yep. to the mortgages that one is paying. So, yep. but when you compare it to service accommodation, of course, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a different story. But yeah, it's been great definitely having this conversation and just having an idea of how you've grown, you know, and the, the direction that you're thinking of taking your business to fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's just about letting people know that they can get into property without that initial capital. You know, you've grown your business, Absolutely. done all the things yeah. you've done, and it's really just by that sheer determination. But you have- Yeah, the, the pluck, just the pluck, you know, the, the ability yeah, the to sell yourself, and to and sell yourself. I have to tell my, my audience something. Remember when you were, because I remember between, I think whether it was baby one and two, you wanted to go back to work. And because right. I know you as a person, I'd said, look, if I can make it in this business, just leaving work, there's no way, exactly. you know? and you don't leaps Absolutely. and bounds because for sure
1: and it's funny because i was the one that even sort of introduced you to i know the, the big, so both yeah, big that's what i was saying i was the one that started in whatever and you just kind of ran with it <laughs> you know yeah. you just you know started it started there, you took that leap first you voluntarily left bp and said you know yeah i'm just going to do this you know yeah. and i was still without
0: you know, the guaranteed so so, and this is another thing, is also being sure that you've, you've, you've generated some income from it, right? And you have mm-hmm. something steady. Remember how you mentioned that you had it as your side hustle first as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you've already established something before you quit your day job, you know, make sure you have at least Absolutely. one years of established income generation before you- Exactly. You're you know how,
1: it, you know income. what your values and troughs yeah. will be. You know, you know, your baseline. You know that you're not Absolutely. going to be hungry. Yeah. You know. You know, the only thing you can do is build up from this,
0: you know. So, but yeah. So, Temi, it's been so great having you on. It's been
1: lovely being on. It's been lovely being on. It's certainly, um, I'm looking forward to being invited again. We will talk have different topics. Different
0: topics, for sure. Yes. So, wishing you all the best. And just any parting words for the audience parting words, I would say be brave and be courageous. You know, yeah.
1: you can make a good, you can make good money from property. You know, you just have to be uh, savvy about it. You have to be able to spot opportunity when you see it.
0: Mm. You have
1: to have the boldness not to bulk at things that might look a bit daunting. Mm. Um, you also have to, um, don't be reckless. Mm. Um, not a get rich quick scheme mm-hmm. by any means. Um, but just you know if you if you if you're level headed and you're calm and you know you're you're smart about it, it's something where, you know, even if you're not, even if you you just need it as a springboard for now, even if it's not something you want to devote hundred percent of your time to, for something you want to maybe dip your toe in, start out maybe investing, it's something that you definitely, you know, you can make good money from. So yeah. you know. I would say just just be bold and um, you know inform yourself you know educate yourself,
0: educate yourself. I said there's that. De- yeah.
1: there's definitely money to be made in property
0: yeah. so anyone who's looking to start out definitely listen to first episode you know we've covered a lot of what you know it's nice to have somebody here who actually is living and breathing property so you understand yeah. that these things we're talking about, it's not, you know, I'm not, we're just making up these things.
1: No, they're, they're practical. Are, yeah. Practical. They're things that they're real. It's real life. Yeah.
0: Real life. So you can, if it's something that you think, you know, but it has to be something that you want to do for yourself. You have to, you exactly. remember that we both love property. You know, I don't exactly. know that I started loving it as much as I do now. You know, like I always oh, yes. relate it to a relationship when you meet yes. someone, how you kind of like the person. But then mm. with time, you start to really like the person. Exactly. exactly so I feel exactly. like property has evolved like that for me. So I liked yeah. it. I thought it was a good thing. But I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And that's important. So mm-hmm. property, you have to enjoy an aspect of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Pick a strategy yeah. that works with your strengths. Yeah. And then build up from that. And
1: then... Because, and I'll say, I'll add this. If you don't enjoy it, then this is not really for you. Works. Because it can certainly exactly. frustrate you. Yes. it's it's a, it's if it's not something I you're like doing for night have called each
0: other yeah we it, yeah.
1: yeah, can if it, it's not if if you don't have that you know if, if it doesn't give you that sense of satisfaction then it's just going to be a lot of pain for nothing mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well it's, you'll still make the money but it's
1: just i've been make the money but there are honestly there's simpler ways <laughs> i'm sure Nah, I mean, <laughs> I about they, they are less. They are less stressful. I mean, you might not make as much, uh-huh. but what I'm saying is that when the pains that you know, when the, the the pains that come with property come, if you're not somebody who is in it because you enjoy, but it it, it, it yeah. will frustrate you. Yeah, right. it, it will frustrate you. You know, it's it's going to be like that job you feel like you want to run away from. Mm-hmm. And again, it can it's something that can wipe you out financially as mm-hmm. well, especially if you're invested in it financially. Mm-hmm. If you don't love it you can get your hands burnt Mm -hmm. you can certainly use your shirts so
0: so so yeah so to wrap up finally (laughs) it's just to let you know that our next episode will be next week and you know it's been great having temi on the show and we'll definitely have her back um she's a property mom living breathing you know, doing it. And it's just to let you know that you can do it as well. You know, it's not, absolutely you know, it's not something that, you know, you do, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or anything like that. It's, you just have to have that bravery and step out and do it. Step out cautiously, but step out anyway. Absolutely. So absolutely. thank you, Kemi. And thank you, Dolly. All the best. Thank you very much. Now, wasn't that insightful? I hope you got some key learnings from Temi and understand that though there are challenges in this business, we can still thrive and dominate this space. It's possible to build sustainable businesses whilst juggling and raising a family. So for the next podcast, I'll be going over in more details how to identify your gold mine areas. And if you don't understand what gold mine areas is, definitely tune in also due to popular demand i've put together a webinar next tuesday the 12th of may to discuss in more detail the 14 different strategies which are cash flow strategies i discussed earlier in my podcasts so do log in to propertymom.co.uk and register to attend as it promises to be very insightful and you'll get a lot of value from understanding Which strategy could potentially work for you in creating that ongoing cash flow? And while you're there, do subscribe to this podcast to receive the notifications. Until the next episode, I wish you all the best as you embark or scale up in building your own successful property business.